The presenting sponsor for On Education is Schoology. Schoology is not only the best learning management system, it's also a community of lifelong learners. Join On Education at the Schoology Next Conference July 16th through 18th in San Diego, California. This is a chance to immerse yourself in hands-on workshops, advanced product training sessions, and best practice presentations. If you want to learn more about Schoology and how they can help you advance what's possible, visit Schoology.com. I say what I want. (laughs) Friends, welcome to On Education. I am Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We're going to have a debate on PlayStation versus Xbox, check on the political landscape, including a proposal by Democrats to boost teacher pay, we'll talk about a dating app for teachers, and our guest this week is the innovative Paul Dervasi. We've had a week. Yes, we have. It's been insane, actually. It's been beyond insane i i I think that people are getting i I worry about how much to post on twitter about numbers yeah we don't want to be annoying but we're also really excited about it and we want to thank people for this it's i mean let's i'll run it down just a little because it's it's really quite ridiculous I, i i won't post like the charts but if you saw the charts and i actually i just sent glenn a picture of the charts yes uh from the analytics and and it's like there's there's all these little lines and then a giant skyrocketing line um <laughs> going up like we've we've basically um we've quadrupled our downloads uh for the month over april that's just amazing ridiculous Uh, we have almost eight times as many downloads this week as the average of the previous weeks jeez (laughs) and even on the weekends like today we're recording on a sunday and we've almost we might have our third record day of the week like in terms of the the most downloads in in one day, it, it's those. It charts, might happen right? again today. So yeah. we broke our daily download record on Tuesday. Uh, that's when we. I I mean, so I didn't think much of that. It yeah. wasn't a huge number. But then on Wednesday we shattered Tuesday's number by double. Wow! And that's when I sent Glenn a message like something's going on here it's weird <laughs> and then on Thursday so that's when we started like really paying attention and and posting on Twitter like you know things are happening here and then Thursday we broke Wednesday's record barely but we still bro- we broke it by four five six seven eight eight downloads uh, over over Wednesday so we broke it again on Wednesday and then we had uh, a lower day on Friday makes sense but even that lower day was easily double our average um, downloads previous to this week it was just under our first record day from Tuesday Wow. So it was it was still a, a really good day, relatively speaking. And then and then today or yesterday, uh, we had a fabulous day. Double Friday, uh, yesterday, and now today we are already at. Uh, or no, today we are double yesterday. So we're we're already, and there's still multiple hours to go that's, in the day. That's just crazy. So, I, what I think is happening. Well, number one, people are talking about the podcast Mm because i've seen that actually on twitter like people are mentioning us that we don't even know Mm -hmm. uh you know it started off with you know the our core group of 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 people in our professional learning network and people that were spreading the message to and then those people are now talking to other people but but eventually it's reaching now it's reaching people we don't we have no idea who they are exactly and and then now that we're actually on the charts which that's what we've been talking about we've we've been number one most of the week right yeah, share the chart numbers. The chart yeah, numbers. So you track this. So I'm I'm in Canada and I I can't see the U.S. chart. So Glenn's 
Glenn's looking at the U.S. chart numbers. I see the Canadian chart numbers, uh, which you know aren't aren't as relevant to this as as the U.S. chart numbers. So so what are the what's the details? So really, I mean, the biggest thing is is there's two different types of well, there's multiple charts inside of of the iTunes specifically the iTunes uh, charts, the way that they keep track of, and right. in Todd the top podcasts for a specific category called educational technology, which is interesting that we're in that category. But we talk ed tech, so it's it's fine that we're in there. I put us in there by um, accident. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, <clears throat> we've been number one in that category most of the week mm-hmm. uh, in ed tech. But the really Sorry, what one, number? Number one, baby. Uh, what but number? The, <laughs> but the really cool one, and this is the one I keep telling Mike about, is there's a general education category. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about education podcasts, I mean, they vary in all over all over the place. They're not just specific, honestly, to just education. If you go in no. there, you can pretty much put anything in whatever category. So we're competing against thousands TED. and thousands of podcasts. The TED and Talks or TED Talk podcasts are in TED there. TED Talks. Um, there's a bunch of different things like uh, famous language. people that I know. Yeah, language ones. Uh, a, a lot of really, really high-level podcasts, and we're we've been in the top fifteen for most of the week. But I just checked it right now just to confirm, and we're number nine in in the education category, which is that's a crazy number. There, there are well over ten thousand podcasts in the education chart. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And so thank all of you guys because. Uh, it's because you're listening and and your feedback and because you're spreading the word uh, that mm-hmm. this is actually happening and continue to do that. And if you still haven't gone on to uh, iTunes and just given us just a quick rating, if you just want to do that, but even better, a lot of people this week, as Mike mentioned, uh, on I think on Twitter also said that a lot of people have been giving us reviews and that's really powerful because that helps you build your momentum also inside of the iTunes charts. Plus, it gives people an insight as far as what we're talking about. And what we're talking about is you guys, uh, our teaching community, and everything Mm -hmm. related to education. When people are looking for something to listen to, and to be honest, this is happening thousands and thousands of times a day. Podcasting is exploding. And people are looking for entertainment that aligns to their interest and so when you have people looking in education they're going to see our podcast is in the top 10 they're going to see a pretty rad logo that i'm i'm proud of that Um, is awesome and then they're going to look at the reviews and see that we have 30 plus five star reviews you know and then they're going to maybe listen to the latest episode. And if they listen to the latest episode, they're going to hear the uh, amazing music by uh, our friend uh, Jake Codewise. Yes. Uh, who I'm, I, We have a lot more to say about Jake later. He's, he's, uh, he's going to do some yeoman's work for us in the next couple months. So, uh, But Jake is also our engineer, uh, and uh, he's a man of many, many talents. He's got a team he's putting together. And uh, they're doing uh, crazy uh, good work. Uh, so they'll hear the song, and then they'll hear the uh, beautiful voice of Glenn Irvin, and, and we're <laughs> off to the races. So, listen, it's it's coming together really well. Uh, I'm 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 working. We're working incredibly hard on on this, and always trying to improve. And yeah, we just can't thank you enough. It's it's been a it's been a hell of a week. And uh, we just hope that you know this podcast, this at literally this episode doesn't uh, doesn't let you down, and that we just keep the <laughs> momentum going because uh, things be happening, man. Big time. So speaking of things happening, yes, we um, we're we're really excited about ISTE. I'll be honest; I, I probably wasn't excited about it before as I am now. You're getting fired up, aren't you? Well, I mean, I just. <laughs> Things are happening. We're we're we've got some plans, and the plans are pretty legit now. Yes. So we're starting to get everything all lined up. We have a giant document. <laughs> it's intimidating, actually, to look at it. <laughs> we're like, wow, that's some summer work there, but it's awesome. Such an yes. awesome opportunity to go down there um, and to be able to go ahead and connect with all of you. So, 
let's run down a little bit about what's going to be happening. So we're going to do a daily podcast every day starting on uh, Saturday. Yes. Uh, so we're going to do Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're going to do five 30-minute podcasts running down what's been going on, what we've done, who we've talked to. We'll probably have an interview for every single one of them. Yes. Um, and uh, we have... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to hold on to something else about that in a second. But, yeah, so... And then we're also going to do a one-hour podcast. Just like an overall regular episode, too. Yes. So we're, we're running six episodes, it sounds like. Correct? Six episodes total. Yes. Yep. Uh, and we really want to be the go-to place for all things ISTE. Um, we're going to interview uh, a lot of cool people. We've we've confirmed a bunch. Um, we are going to be speaking with some vendors that are going to be there that we've lined up, some people that we're really excited to talk to. We're going to also be talking to some of the uh, people from uh, ISTE specifically. Uh, I think we're going to be interviewing the president of ISTE as well as the uh, vice president who's in charge of the actual conference. So if you have questions for those people specifically, you can go down to the bottom of our webpage uh, on educationpodcast.com and just send us a little note with a question you might have and for whom. And we will uh, we'll see if we can squeeze it in. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, five 30-minute episodes, one 60-minute episode. Uh, we'll also be talking to our friends from Schoology. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking with, I believe, uh, either Ivan or Jeremy. Ivan's the vice president of marketing, or Jeremy is the CEO. And talking to them a little bit, they're certainly um, who we need to thank for helping us get here. Yes. So yeah, they got us started. Uh, we're going to be talking with them as well at ISTE, and we're going to a lot of really cool events. I, what 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 events are we going to, Glenn? Um, well, we've been invited to a lot of different things, um, and I'm looking back at our chart here. I didn't know you were going to throw that question throw on that me. Yeah, the poetry slam. <laughs> the poetry Carl slam. Poetry slam. Carl Hooker. I, I'm I'm super excited about that. Actually, just being able to go to these events is really where you start connecting. Uh, specifically with people and then being able to kind of get their vision and being able to share that if if you know mm -hmm. if we get some tidbits from people uh, and being able to go ahead and do that um, what else are we going to do I'm trying badge to look summit. yeah badge summit is actually on the Saturday, Saturday before ISTE actually starts mm -hmm. and Noah Geisel was on the show a few weeks ago and we're super excited about going to that it's a one day event uh, it's fantastic. It's in Chicago also, so we're, we're just we're hitting all of these events to be able to go ahead and and uh, just capture, especially if you can't go, mm -hmm. if you can't actually go there. We want to try to capture what's going on there and what's of significance that you can pick up, you know, and then and we can share that. We're gonna own the hashtag not at ISTE uh, that everyone will end up posting. Yes, if, if you're if you're gonna be living on that hashtag um, vicariously. Uh, then, then you know, utilize us because we're yes. going to be there and and trying to recap. Oh, um, I almost forgot. We're going to try to talk to all of the keynote speakers. Absolutely. We've confirmed, I believe, two of them, oh, and baby. we've reached out to I, I think the rest of them, or at least most of the rest of them. Um, so we want to talk to the keynote people after they've delivered their keynote to just see how they feel about it. You know how they how it was received. The talk about the experience a little, and maybe just recap. You know a little bit of what they talked about for the people that didn't come. Exactly. So uh, that's exciting as well. So lots of ISTE stuff is coming. Um, we're really pumped about the coverage, and uh, we have um, an announcement, announcement to make. <laughs> you you want to do that? Um, sure. So our big announcement is we actually, for these specific episodes that we're going to run at the ISTE conference, we have an actual sponsor for those specific episodes. And our sponsorship is coming from an amazing, awesome company that I am a big supporter of, and so is Mike. And it's called Teacher Gaming. And basically, what it is, is a company that provides actual games, not uh 
educational games. I guess that's the best way to be able to turn it. Like actual uh, commercial type of games and turns them into educational lessons that are available for teachers to be able to go in and use. And you log in or you sign up for their platform and then you have access to all of the games that they have available. So for example, in a junior high or an elementary classroom, I could see a teacher being able to use a variety of these games to expose the kids to science content and and uh, social studies type of content, and then being able to have those discussions during class. Uh, and their games are top-notch, awesome stuff, and we're going to be talking more about them and why they're so awesome. So they're, these are the folks that were the original makers of Minecraft EDU? Yes. And... I believe I actually, you know, now that we have contact with them and I can probably just ask this, I, I, I'm wondering if they're still working on the Kerbal EDU. Yes, they are. Yep, they are. It's actually part of their site. So they still have Kerbal. Uh, they have another uh, awesome pla- uh, thing called uh, Universe Sandbox. I don't know if you've ever used that one, Mike, but it's... I've heard about it. It's fantastic. And it, I highly recommend anybody that's that's ever going to uh, talk about astronomy, space, yeah. uh, anything related to space. It you can actually create, Mike, your own uh, universes. So you start with the sun of any type you want, and you decide what types of planets to go around it. You decide the gravitational pull, and you let the universe run for thousands of years and see if it. You know what happens. You know what I mean. You can That's run. Rad. You can run comets through your thing. What happens mm-hmm. if a comet explodes on the sun? You know what's the effect? You know on everything else, and it's all related specifically to actual physics. So it's not. So it's a simulation kind of uh, versus being an actual video game. It is. It blows me away. I mean that that was one of the ones that I saw that they are. Uh, that that's part of their package. Uh, I was I, I was so uh, happily uh, surprised by that. It's amazing. So yeah, teacher gaming. Uh, thank you for helping us keep the lights on. Yes. And uh, it's <laughs> it's super exciting. We're we're gonna we're gonna uh, be doing a lot of awesome stuff uh, with the the sponsorship and uh, and it's it's awesome. It's just working out so so well. And uh, so you'll be hearing uh, they are our exclusive sponsor for the five episodes, uh, the five 30 minute episodes. And, and that's pretty rad. Um, listen, I, I still don't get this. <laughs> this next part. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I don't understand. Did you grow up just playing Xbox? No, I mean, I had a PlayStation one, uh, you know, the original one, you know, the old the, the the first one that ever came out uh it's not that i didn't like playstation it's just that when the original xbox came out uh i quickly gravitated towards it and then i've been a loyal xbox customer since then <laughs> i just wonder if i really know you <laughs> every single time we we uh, have these discussions we figure out oh he's on that end Glenn and I got into a fight on Twitter. Yes. PlayStation versus Xbox. Uh, and, and it reminded me of what I don't like about them. Yes. Well, PlayStation does have, I got to give them credit, they have some exclusivity with specific games. Better games. Um, and, Better hardware. And, <laughs> and Better Xbox controller. also does have their own uh, exclusivity with specific games. Um, but I was going to say, as far as for my argument... Uh, you know, one versus the other. One of the things that I love about the Xbox, especially the Xbox One, is the ability to be able to play all of the previous uh, games that were the fun games on, for example, the 360 version of it. Hmm. Uh, And then, even better, and I don't know if you even knew this, but if you have a Windows 10 machine, you can actually play your Xbox One games on your uh, PC and vice versa. So you can actually... Uh, you know, be able to go ahead and, and uh, connect your Xbox controller to your PC, be able to play the game on there, which kind of provides you with an extra location for your for your gaming abilities, mm-hmm. uh, and then be able to go ahead and play those games there also. Now, I don't know how many people actually do that, but uh, I know I've tried it out and done some different things with it, especially when I'm going to record some things that I've uh, that I'm playing on or whatever it might be. It's awesome to be able to go ahead and use. Uh, the Windows 10 machine. But I know that PlayStation is pretty amazing too. Well, I mean, so I don't mind giving credit to Xbox in particular for the online. Xbox Live is way better 
than it's awesome. any yes. any of the PlayStation online stuff. Um, I, I would say the PlayStation Plus is better than Xbox Live in terms of like the the free games that they give away and stuff like that. Um, Polygon actually, if you follow the game website Polygon, yeah. they actually run down every year. They do like a value evaluation of the games and their their market value. Sure. Uh, of what was given away, and PlayStation almost always wins that that competition. There are months where the Xbox giveaways are better, but I mean overall, um, I have I have an Xbox One. Oh, you do? I'll admit. I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have one. Okay. Um, Isaac plays uh, Cuphead on it. Oh, that game is amazing, he and loves. it's exclusive to Xbox too. There you go. There you go. We win. <laughs> <laughs> so Isaac plays Cuphead yeah. uh, on it, and that's that's mainly mainly it is the it is the Cuphead box. It, it it's that's its primary use. Okay, uh, we use our PlayStation. I have a couple PlayStation threes because um, we use them for like Blu-ray players and media players. They're, sure, the PlayStation is the best media player there is. I would agree uh, with that. Or, yep, hmm? I would agree with that because it has the Blu-ray player. Yes, right. So. It's a no-brainer. Like we have a PlayStation Three in the living room, yeah. Attached to our attached to our big TV. We have a giant TV, by the way. I should just. Of course I, you do, Mike. <laughs> when you're, we renovated our basement in guy. the old house, we we tried to put a home theater in, uh, and then the contractors um, kind of screwed us a bit and put a bulkhead right where the throw of the projector would be. Um, so we we had bought the projector before they had built the bulkhead. Yeah. So we had to return everything. Oh, and then get a TV. And then That's we bought right. a TV. So we have a seventy inch TV. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Man, um, and, I got and so, TV envy. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, and then we have uh, a PlayStation Three upstairs in in our bedroom, Cheryl and I's bedroom. And then we have the PlayStation Four in the room that I'm in right now. You know what so, streaming services though now, Mike? I don't know how many people actually still go out and buy. I mean, I know some people that are hardcore. Like if you have a seventy-inch TV and a surround sound system, yeah, like you probably do. Like basically, kind of like a theater type of thing in your house. Yeah. Then getting the Blu-ray and then playing it through, uh, like for example, a PlayStation or a Blu-ray machine, yeah. And and then getting that experience is very similar to the theater. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had that, but for all the rest of us peons uh, <laughs> that don't have that kind of uh, setup, then we just you know stream stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's we probably it's still buy. Good enough. We probably buy these days one or two, two or three Blu-rays a year. We're sure. not buying like so every movie. Yeah, we yeah. So just I mean, favorites. we probably have forty or fifty. We have all the Harry Potters. We have all the Lord of the Rings. We have all the Star Wars. We have. You know, the the Star Treks. We have all the superhero movies. You're saying um, you're a big mega nerd, right? What? <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> if, it's not, if it wasn't obvious to begin with. I mean, we named, a, we named a title of our podcast after a quote I said where I said, I own all the games. So, I know. That's awesome. Yeah. We should put this on, the, uh, on Twitter, PlayStation versus Xbox. Mm. Like a little poll. That'd be fun. Well, I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it on mine. I don't know if you, you. I don't want to see you hurt. Oh, I know. I, I lost. I actually lost last time too. By you did lose last time. <laughs> I keep you really want to lose. I, what is it like to be so wrong I all know, the time, I Glenn? Have, I keep thinking that people are going to agree with me, and then they don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's totally fine, oh, though. People, man. you guys are awesome. <laughs> All yeah, right. Well, cool. listen. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna tackle 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 tackle. <laughs> we can tackle it too. We can tackle it, whatever that is. I make up my own words. I say what I want. We have the number one podcast in ed tech. You what can you say tackle. It's okay. All right. We're gonna tackle the latest in politics and policy on both sides of the border. The end of the school year is finally here, and we have an awesome professional development opportunity. Badge Summit 2018 is happening at Columbia College on June 23rd in Chicago, Illinois. This one-day event brings together some of the brightest and most inspiring digital badge thought leaders on the planet for highly interactive learning and sharing. Attendance is limited to 250 people, so get signed up. For more information, go to badgesummit.weebly.com. All right, friends, welcome back. 
I find it amazing how much is happening in the world of politics and policy when it comes to education. I know when we when we started this podcast, Glenn, that we'd always be talking about politics and policy. We we're both really interested in it. Yes. Um, but every week we write this outline, and we never struggle to find. We literally just cut something. We we usually have too outline. much stuff. Yeah. We have too much stuff. So let's let's get into what's going on this week. Uh, and this is just education stuff. Like I don't even have to go on a Trump rant to to cover what's well, happening just you, in politics and policy that could related just happen to education. Every, yeah, exactly. That could just happen every episode. And it would be the whole episode, and that would be horrible. We could literally <laughs> talk, have a Talk about negative rankings, exactly. We, edu-politics. We, on oh, edu-politics? Yes. Mm, show edu, idea. Edu-politics. Edu-politics. Uh, yeah. But Don't it's okay. take that. It's mine. You heard it here first. <laughs> you just you just licensed it. Yeah. So, right. Trademark. <laughs> uh, the Democrats' uh, better deal. Uh, which is like their basically their platform yes. for the for the Senate and the, and the House, the Congress uh, includes. Now this is awesome because I, I dug into this because the the headlines just talk about teacher pay, but you've talked a lot about um, the idea that this needs to be more than just about teacher pay. So all these headlines talk about teacher pay. Yes, uh, a fifty billion dollar boost to teachers' pay. But this also includes a $50 billion boost in, like, infrastructure and support staff. Yes. And that's the big... I mean, that's really uh, the big part about this. We're not just talking about the $50 billion for teacher compensation and to be able to retain teachers, but also a federal boost in the ability for schools to fix their infrastructure. As we've talked about, a lot of our schools actually are literally crumbling. Uh, and the resources that these schools need are not being provided for. Teachers are buying their own uh, supplies and resources and those types of things. Mm-hmm. So this would establish a, a $50 billion fund for specifically for school infrastructure and resources. The other part that I was interested in, Mike, too, is that so many times, uh, and, and, and this happens in the United States all the time, we uh, have our legislators, both at the state level uh, and then at the federal level, they create mandated uh, mandates sorry without providing the funds to be they're called unfunded mandates so they add something to the list of things that we need to go ahead and do and then don't provide for the ability to be able to do that do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's such a it's so it's such a horrible process but we're so used to we kind of just ignore it's like oh yeah this next year here's our new mandate that we need to go ahead and add to our for example our professional development uh, or security within our schools but yet there's no funds that that are there or they're one-time funds so you don't actually get them from that point forward. You might get them just for that year or two years, and then they disappear, and you still have to continue with that mandate. Uh, I saw here, though, that they are increasing the capacity for Title I schools. Uh, what's, what's Title I? Because, I, I mean, I, it, that's not a term I'm familiar with. Um, so we're talking about schools that usually are low-income schools. That's what we're talking about, Mike. Right. So those th- these programs are, are specifically targeted for those, and too often we just don't provide enough funds there. So this seems like a good thing. This is a super good thing. Now, of course, this is just a proposal. So <laughs> it's a platform. It's a platform. I actually like the platform for whoever decides to go ahead and and run against uh, Trump in the future. Um, I think that teachers, just like in Canada, we we would be excited to support a candidate who would put us on the top of their platform. Well, you know what I mean? Like really put us at the top and say, hey, you know what? We've been ignoring this group of people for so long. Let's put them at the top and show you how we're going to uh, basically fund this such such an important aspect of our country. It's time for teachers in particular, but people all over to put away some of their partisanship and look at this regardless of whether it came from a Democrat or a Republican and say, how can you say no to $50 billion to increase teacher compensation? How can you say no to $50 billion to fix schools and to provide resources? How can you say no to providing low-income families with opportunities for programs? Yes. How can you say no to special education? 
if you're a Republican and you're still willing to say no to that stuff, boy, oh boy, I, I have a hard time understanding that position. Regardless, I mean, I understand. I guess I understand single issue voters for for some things. I don't want to get into it here because no. I could just go on no. and and I'm a Canadian and I have a hard time understanding some of this <laughs> nonsense. Um, you know the social social conservatism stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, but this is a good thing overall. It's this an is, amazing this awesome thing. thing, and I really like that it's part of a platform, like you just said. So. We are on top of that platform as edu- educators, which, heck yeah, this is awesome. This is where we want to be at. Speaking of where we want to be. Okay, let's hear it. The The NDP in Ontario, so election coming around the corner. We've yes. talked about it a little bit. Uh, the NDP are the de facto progressive party. We've went over, we did a political spectrum 101 a few episodes back. You should go listen to that episode if you want to get a primer on where the political parties in the province of Ontario stand. Yes. Uh, but the NDP are, are very far left. They're, they're, they're would be, they would be left of the Democratic Party. Okay. Very, very progressive. And surging in the polls. And when I say surging... Uh, it's went from probably at the beginning of the election, um, 25% polling approval yeah. to probably about 47-ish percent wow. now. That's huge. And certainly well on the way to forming what we would call a majority government. Remember, we have more than one party. In fact, or sorry, we have more than two parties. Yes. In fact, we have four major parties running in the election. So we don't need 50% of the votes to form a what we would call a majority, majority. government, yeah. we just need more yes. than everyone else. So uh, more than the rest of our competitors, exactly. basically. Um, we need to be able to, without having to form a coalition, a voting block. Um, so there's what's called a majority government and a minority government. Minority government would mean that you form the government, but you don't have enough votes to pass anything on your own. That's what Germany is actually in that situation right now. So it's possible that we could form a minority government. But I'll tell you, the NDP is on fire. Yes. um, Announcing so many great things. And this week announced um, basically a a massive student loan forgiveness program. Oh, I love this. That would just, just... It would, Glenn, for you personally, it would it would make you go crazy. Um, so they are turning all future student loans into non-repayable grants. Okay. So these That's don't have amazing. To be paid, they don't have to be paid back. I'm liking this so far. <laughs> and then all current student loan holders. So I, I still have probably, I don't mind saying, whatever. I, I still probably have about $7,000 in student loans. Okay. Uh, it's not much, but I mean, it's it's, it's something. Yeah, I mean, it's something. Um, they uh, are going to forgive all interest, so you still have to pay the principal. Yes, but the they're basically saying the government should not be in the business of making a profit off of education. I love so that. So no longer. Uh, so all future interest will be canceled. There will no longer be an interest payment. It'll just be principal. And all previous interest paid on current student loan holders will be refunded. That is awesome. So you get the money back. And then <laughs> so you can, I get, you can I use it to get, pay off your loan. Dude, I mean, I've been paying student loans for 15, almost 20 years. Oh, yeah. I've how probably much, paid... How much interest has that been? Thousands. A lot of Thousands money. of dollars. You could probably interest. get enough back to pay it all off, and then you're done. A, a, a couple hundred dollars a year at least. Two or three hundred dollars. It's not been high interest, but it's... It's been a couple hundred dollars a year. Sure. In interest. So this is a big deal. A really big deal. And it, I'll, I'll tell you what it does more than anything. It sends a message. It sends a message that, A, the government is not in the for-profit education business. We do not want to be making money off the backs of our constituents. But it also says that you know we want people to finish their education with opportunity yes and one of the biggest problems we have in society now is that a graduate of a degree program is saddled with multiple tens of thousands of dollars in debt yes and then is being asked to work 
a minimum wage job because uh, of having no experience that pays nothing, nothing. very barely livable wages. Yes. And, you know, you wonder why millennials are frustrated, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. when things are way more expensive than they've ever been. And it is way harder to get ahead these days. Yes. Uh, and to frankly do anything. And, and we literally just talked about it the other day about post-secondary education jobs. I mean, you can go and get your master's and your PhD and then still have a crappy job. That's crazy, isn't that? That's just insane. It's it's astounding to yes. me that you can be a PhD and some university wants to hire you, but they're not going to give you benefits and they're going to pay you ten, fifteen thousand dollars per course. So you would have to work like five or six courses just, just to make a decent living. Yeah, just to make a decent a living worthy of a PhD a person, um, with person a who's spent yes. you know fifteen years getting educated and would be considered an expert in their field. Yeah. It's astounding. Astounding. So this is big news. It's super huge. It's very exciting. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're really pumped up here. Uh, anyways, the, 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 certainly the left is pretty pumped up here. Uh, it's still going to be competitive in some areas. It's certainly going to be competitive in my city. Um, uh, Pekka is working his butt off. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But Overall, I think we we might see Premier Andrea Horvath, and that would be pretty rad. Yeah, I would. Um, I would. When this happens, when is this election actually? So just give June seventh. June seventh. It's really coming up. Yes. So you'll have to give us the results. Yeah. So we'll go over the results when we when we um, when we get them in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if I'm happy or if I'm sad or. What's going to happen? I'll, we'll give you some analysis. We'll give a whole section dedicated to <laughs> post-election analysis. I hope you're happy. <laughs> so why? I. I mean, this is a big deal. There's a lot of listen. There's a lot of progressive policy in in the NDP uh, platform, uh, Frontero. And I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a hard time saying that it would be probably the most progressive government in North America if we uh, if we elected the NDP in Ontario. Uh, there's an NDP government in Alberta right now. Yeah. Um, but they've they've definitely have to come to the right a little bit. Um, not not as much as you'd think, but they have to come to the right a little bit. Alberta's uh, certainly a, a a lot more conservative than than Ontario is. Okay. All right. So cool. I think that we're going to take a break. Yeah. And then when we come back, uh, we'll tell you uh, how to find the perfect teaching job, allegedly. On Education is brought to you by Audible. Mike, what are you listening to? So, I've actually listened to this book twice as well. It seems like I keep listening to books multiple times that I really like. But this book's called The President's Club. And um, certainly a club Donald Trump's not going to be a part of. Because it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a book about presidents and how they grow to respect each other over the years and work for each other uh, after they're out of the office of president. It's, it's quite an amazing, amazing book, and, and I think you should definitely uh, give it a listen. Uh, you'll, you'll come away learning uh, a ton about presidents, how they treated each other, and how they've worked for each other and respected the office of the presidency. It's the President's Club, Inside the World's Most Exclusive Fraternity by Nancy Gibbs and Michael Duffy. And if you want to get this book, or frankly any other book, all you got to do is head over to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation. And you can receive a free... Free? Audiobook. Yes, free audiobook download. Welcome back, everyone. Let's talk about dating. Clint, I'm not, I'm not single, buddy. Well, this is a dating app for teachers, but it really isn't. It's just how they're advertising for it. Uh, there is this uh, startup company called Selected. That's Selected. Um, and they it just, sounds like a dating company, to it be honest. Does. It does. Like, I've been selected. That's, I, I actually like it, and I think it's super interesting. They just received $1.2 in seed funding, uh, and they have this recruiting platform for educators. And basically, you create this profile. I actually went through most of it, Mike, but then I was like afraid that I'd start getting recruited. 
<laughs> and getting hit exactly, on by teachers, exactly. by schools. It's like, yeah, the schools are hitting on the teachers. So basically you go through and there's only, there's eight states on it so far and the DC area. And that, those are available currently. And uh, basically what happens, you fill out a profile. <laughs> so it does sound like dating, um, but it's really more like a resume. And it talks about your skills and your skill sets and what you're passionate about, and etc. And it actually asks you some more types of in-depth kind of uh I wouldn't say not just personal questions, but basically matching you up, kind of like they would on a dating site, Mike. So like personality type <laughs> questions. That's what I want to say, personality, you know? So what are you driven by? You know, what's your passions? And then right. it matches those specifically to school districts in these eight states. And then what they do is the school districts end up paying, if they end up selecting you as a candidate, they pay like a, a one-time fee to this uh, site, and that's how they're making money off of it. It's so the harmony for teachers. Yes, but the teacher itself doesn't have to pay anything. So that's why I thought that was like, that's pretty awesome. You fill out basically this thing on selected, and we'll make sure we provide the link there. And then yeah. you get recruited by a school district that matches you to them. So that basically like, you already know that... You're going to have a lot of things in common, like in dating, supposedly. But what's what's super cool about it, too, I think, is that there is a huge problem today um, in teacher attrition. Just basically, teachers eventually just saying, I, I, you know, after three to five years is usually the case where they decide to go ahead and do something else, Mike. And a lot of the times on the feedback that they're giving is not only low pay, because we talk about low pay or benefits or those kinds of things. But mm -hmm. they just talk about, they just don't have, they don't, they're not vibing. They're not on the same uh, wavelength as far as the vision, you know, within that specific school district or whatever it might be. And I've been to a lot of school districts. And so, and I've worked at, uh, for a variety of school districts in a variety of different states. And it's true. Each school has its own different it, specific culture. And some cultures match uh, better with specific types of, personality to specific types of teachers of course yes. of course so this site's <laughs> saying hey we're providing the ability to be able to match you together to a match made in teacher heaven i don't know <laughs> teacher <Sweet>. matrimony <laughs> so we'll provide the link for you guys to go ahead and check out uh and uh if Get you selected. if you work in one of these states it's connecticut delaware massachusetts maryland new jersey new york which is huge new jersey and new york pennsylvania also huge and virginia and then of course the dc area if you work in any of those places or you're searching out you know jobs this summer check it out we're willing to move i guess yeah i really thought it was a cool idea though it's an interesting idea and obviously someone else did too because they gave them 1.2 million <laughs> to be able to kind of get it off the ground that's a lot of dough. Yes, it is. Their, their website is really nice. I'm, I'm kind of looking at it right now. Yeah. and uh, I'm impressed by it, man. I mean, it's 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 explained super well. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the idea is great because there are huge... I mean, I'll tell you, I'm living through this. Yes. There are huge culture differences between different schools. And there are huge culture differences between teachers and the schools they work at. Yes. And also... Um, perceptions, ideas, opinions, um, people change and schools change. And as schools change and people change, sometimes they, just like relationships, Glenn, they grow apart. Oh, that's so sad. Right? Yes. So if you're going well, through that school divorce, you may want to check out Selected. <laughs> <laughs> We could run an ad for this. I know. That's what I'm, I, you know, I'm not pitching them on an ad, but I honestly think it's a really cool idea because but I've we been. we are pitching you on yes, an ad. Yes. I've actually been through this process. <laughs> and so have you, Mike. You're like, I mean, we're, we, you know, we have been out there as far as, you know, looking at different schools and doing those kinds of things. And really, it's hard as a teacher to determine what that culture is like just through an interview process. You kind of have to do your homework but then even then you still have to take a gamble you know but in this case they, they they're trying to match up those types of things that uh will fit both with the teachers uh personality and their passions and those types of things and then what the district vision and goals are then too yeah absolutely so yes getselected.com we'll put it in the show notes awesome pretty interesting um when uh, we come back we're going to talk to uh paul Darvasi, who just finished his first post on the On Education blog. We're going to talk about that. Friends, On Podcast Media is getting set to launch not one, but two new podcasts this summer. 
and we're excited to tell you about the first one, On Politics. On Politics is hosted by politician, professor, and human rights lawyer, Craig Scott. On Politics will take deep dives into policy and politics. You definitely come away learning something every week. To stay up to date with On Politics, follow the show's Twitter account, at OnPoliticsPod. Well, welcome back, everyone. We have Paul Dervasi on our pod today. We're super excited to have you, Paul. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks a lot, Glenn. I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, I'm an English and media studies high school teacher from Toronto, Canada. I, I teach at an all-boys school, and I've been experimenting with uh, with games and education and the various intersections of games and learning for about the last decade. Yeah. Um, I've done stuff with video games. I've designed what are called pervasive games or alternate reality games, and recently I've been I've been working on some location-based games. That is so awesome. And we're huge fans of your work using alternate reality games. Uh, a lot of the, uh, of your blog posts, I've, I've, of course, read everything, but I've also shared a lot of your ideas in some of the presentations I've made uh, and also commercial games in the classroom. But uh, this latest project that you have, uh, it's, it's comp- it really is a new take on something, and it takes the best parts of apps like uh, Pokemon Go and if people know the, the game called Ingress, and it's mixing it with a pop culture icon. His name is Scott Pilgrim. And there was a movie about him and, and a, uh, a cartoon-type series about him. So tell us about your inspiration for this new project. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I'm really interested in is what's called environmental storytelling. And, and this is actually a big part of video games. As a video game, uh, you're uniquely challenged to tell a story because you're giving up a lot of your narrative control to the, to the player. The player is making all kinds of decisions that sometimes the person who created the game uh, doesn't have control over. So as a result of that, one of the techniques that are used in video games is is to plant uh, narrative information into an environment. So, for example, when you walk into a saloon and the card table's been turned over and there's you know broken glass all over the place, and you can then surmise that possibly some kind of a dispute uh, arose over uh, a card game gone wrong. Yeah. These types of things are are done all the time. The you know journal entries and letters and audio recordings that are that are woven. into the environment. So what that really interests me, I'm really interested in storytelling and narrative in general, and I I really like to explore how video games tell stories a little bit differently than films and books. And, And then what, what also interests me is getting kids out of the classroom. Yes. Uh, I feel that this is something we've been talking about for a long time. And I, and, and I, I feel that, yes, of course, we have field trips and we, we do little things once in a while to, to get out of the classroom. But um, especially in a city like Toronto, where I live, uh, there are so many uh, resources available in our midst that would make incredible learning opportunities. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's, what's even more exciting is as we... We start pushing more deeply into things like augmented reality, we're going to be able to layer digital information onto existing physical spaces. Yes. So I have I have this this vision of, of students moving around the city, uh, maybe with their augmented reality glasses, and uh, as they arrive to certain sites, they can gather information. They can they can have the ghost of some historical figure talking to them about the significance of that house or that monument. Um, they can they can find clues or letters or items that they collect to bring back to the classroom, um, and to really take learning out into the city. and And, and I believe that that ultimately will become an act of citizenship and connecting into our community, connecting into our city, and and making learning more kinetic and dynamic. Uh, of course, one of the big concerns about doing that now is safety. Um, yes, if we have course. kids wandering around in a in a dense downtown core with traffic and unpredictable individuals in the uh, this causes a lot of concern for administration or for 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 parents, and um, and I think that that's one of the big hurdles that's going to cross that we have to cross rather. Um, but I do see that with um, an increasing amount of accountability in the city space, for better or for worse, meaning self-driving cars, a more automated environment, uh, uh, better surveillance systems, which could entirely turn on us, but but would st- certainly ensure greater safety. 
and sure. the reduction of traffic in uh, urban areas of concentration would probably allow for a safer use of, of city spaces. Yes, love that. And especially I love the connection that you're making with these location-based games, really getting kids out and and seeing parts of your communities that we always ignore. Because when we were out there playing games like Pokemon Go or Ingress, as I was reading your article or your blog post there, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is really interesting because we start connecting with things that we just kind of just uh, ignore on our, in our daily lives and start saying, hey, look at that monument there or that mural or that specific park and start connecting, making those connections with, with where we live. Um, so I really, really love that and also love that there's this is out of the box and a student-driven activity. So how did the students react to this and, and, you know, and like, what did they learn, Paul? So the, the, the nature of the project was that uh, Scott Pilgrim uh, was originally a series of six graphic novels that was written by Brian Lee O'Malley, and they're hilarious. I mean, it's this, yes. this slacker musician uh, who meets his dream girl, uh, an American girl who comes to Canada named Ramona Flowers, and he falls head o- over heels in love with her, and he starts sort of coming on to her, and then she says, look, if you want to date me, you're going to have to battle my seven exes, right? And and Scott Pilgrim's kind of a skinny guy that wears ironic t-shirts. He's, you know, he doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. He's pretty relaxed. And the last thing you expect him to be is this incredible warrior. Uh, <laughs> and then what happens over the course of the graphic novels is each one of uh, Ramona's past relationships who've formed this kind of league of ex-boyfriends comes after Scott and he has these absolutely spectacular battles with them at very various monuments and sites in Toronto because Brian is a, is 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 originally from Toronto. So the graphic novel and then the film that was created based on the graphic novel and it's an amazing film. I highly recommend you watch it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, are all based on Toronto locations and they're all within a certain neighborhood which happens to be the neighborhood where my school is. And if you that were is kinda, so awesome. Uh, it, it worked out really well. If you were to pin all the locations where this graphic novel takes place, my school is is right in the middle. And and when I realized this, I thought, how can I use this? I mean, here we have this great locally developed story that has been kind of you know globalized. Uh, I, I these these sites where the story takes place are all really incredible places. You know, they're 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 music halls that have been around for decades. Uh, uh, a castle built by a by a Canadian industrialist um, and some other kind of historical areas in the neighborhood. So what what I thought is uh, I had watched a series of presentations at a conference a few years ago on a platform called Eris, which allows you to develop tours and location-based games in geographic areas pretty easily. Um, And I thought, why don't we take Scott Pilgrim, take Eris, uh, turn my media studies class into a game studio and have these guys create a game inspired by Scott Pilgrim that will allow anybody who wants to to do a tour of all of these locations um, through a Scott Pilgrim lens, but also learn a little bit about the city. Uh, and to answer your question, they absolutely loved it. Um, I, I chose these guys, or I, I really wanted to work with them because they're a really special group of students for a class that I've been teaching for a long time. Uh, they're self-starters, they're motivated, and it's not a project that I would be doing every year. This is a one-off. Once this game is developed, it's you know it's it's not something that I'm likely to repeat. So it, it was a it was a really you know it was a really special thing, and they knew that whatever product they delivered would be made available for the community to use, whether Scott Pilgrim's fans or tourists that want to get a a different feel for the city and find some kind of -of out-of-the-way locations that may not be on the typical tourist map. Um, So that sense of doing something for the real world, of of breaking the boundaries of of normal classroom structures, both geographically but also mentally and and in terms of the stuff that they're designing, was a huge incentive for them. Uh, So we broke them up into little teams and groups and people played to their strengths, whether you were an artist, whether you like computer programming, whether you wanted to be a leader, and and we we developed a very traditional studio structure and and got to work. This is, I actually didn't realize that Scott Pilgrim. I've never watched the movie, sadly, and and it's literally the thing I'm going to do as soon as I'm done this now. Um, it's all. I didn't realize it was all set in Toronto, and so and and I've been thinking about this because I I was thinking about the article that you that you wrote that we're going to be publishing on the blog and this project and that 
this is this is like a love letter to Toronto almost in the sense that there's so much going on here that's like for you and I who are from here um, can just appreciate how super cool it is to see like Lee's Palace and Casa Loma and uh, TTC buses. I'm looking at pictures of all of the things, CN Tower and, uh, you know, all of this stuff that's, that's about Toronto. It really is a, a unique opportunity to connect historical and, 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 and regional areas that, again, you're like right around uh, with your students. And I'm curious, I guess, how did you do anything outside of the project or, or what kind of things were built into the project that really forced the students or, or encouraged the students to make those connections between the movies and the books and, and what they were looking at when they were, when they were out and about. Uh, su such a great point, Mike. And I have to say, you're making me a little teary because I, I think you're really getting to the heart of what this is. Toronto is an incredible city. Uh, it's a multicultural city. And it's not a city that gets a lot of press. I mean, people outside of Canada may know us for the Blue Jays or for, for hockey or for Drake more than anything else. But there's <laughs> there's so much uh, so much to be shared about this wonderful city. And, and, and it was not just a project to bring it home for the boys. And, uh, and I'll get to your question in a second, but it's also a way to share uh, a really unique and, and, and beautiful corner of the world. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the way it really brought, brought it home for the boys was that for each of the locations, whether it was Sneaky D's or Lee's Palace or The Rocket or, or Casa Loma, they had to also um, offer some historical information about these locations. Um, they had to figure out where they are on a map. And even though this goes to show you uh, how we can become very blind to what's in our own backyard. Um, I learned this lesson. I learned this lesson with the uh, the alternative reality games that I designed, where when you. The students think that there are clues in the school where a poster can be a clue or a, a trophy cabinet can be a clue. All of a sudden, they wake up to their environment. They start looking around and finding things they didn't know are there because like all of us, you go into automatic pilot. When I take my daily walk to school, I take the same path, I see the same things, and I'm lost in my head. I'm not even really noticing my environment anymore. And we kind of become mm -hmm. blind to our own environment. And I think that part of this project is, is agitating uh, individuals to wake up to their surroundings. It's what, what inadvertently happened with Pokemon Go. All of a sudden, strangers were talking to each other, you were discovering cool little pieces of art that were, you know, two blocks away from your house that you'd never seen before. Um, so similarly, by having the boys map out these points, dig into the historical uh, significance of these various locations, and also some of them weren't aware that these locations were three or four blocks away from their school because they have their patterns of movement. You know, they go to the subway station, they go home every day. They don't bother walking around and checking out what's going on around them. And we live in a very, very historically rich neighborhood. And and this was not only sort of an offering for the public to learn about our neighborhood, but also an opportunity for these guys to, to plug into their, into their city, into their community, and, and become more engaged uh, in their environment. I can't help but think, I'm going to be talking, we're going to be talking to Kurt Squire uh, in a couple weeks. Um, and, and Kurt, obviously, um, uh, is pretty well known for for writing his PhD thesis on the use of Civilization Three, the video game Civilization Three, in education, uh, and connecting that to history. And I can't help but think that this is almost the modern day version of. You might have designed the modern day version of one of the best educational PhD theses of all time, um, in the sense that this is this is connecting. You know what we the tools we have now this the, the augmented reality and Pokemon Go and connecting them with historical areas in uh, of shockingly to some people historically significant city. I'm a, I'm a history major. I studied Canadian history pretty extensively in in university and and I know the stories of you know John A. Macdonald driving back and forth between Montreal and Kingston and Toronto you know, weekly, you know, to, to, to do, uh, various government activities. And 
this is this is a way this is a barrier to entry that's been removed for kids to get engaged in history and and you know maybe they they go and look at Casaloma in your in your project and then want to understand the history of Casaloma and then understand the building of Toronto and then how that is framed in the context of the building of Upper Canada and then uh and then you know you're off to the races right this is yeah. an amazing opportunity uh, absolutely it, and and it, and as you're as you're suggesting it's also a multidisciplinary task right i mean these kids are designing they're digging into history they're digging into narrative they're thinking about film and comic and storytelling they're thinking about how to deliver not just a tour but how you can turn that tour into a game that follows a particular storyline or echoes a particular storyline so it kind of points into a lot of different directions uh, and what i find really uh, you know just an amazing coincidence or synchronicity is is two of the kind of intellectual giants that have been a huge influence uh, uh, behind this project are of course Marshall McLuhan uh, the the world-renowned media guru who who really you know he wrote a book called city in the classroom because he absolutely believed that the city should be better leveraged and kids should be working outside of the traditional classroom environments and and returning to a more dynamic education within the community and then on the other hand you have Jane Jacobs who is one of the loom in urban design who who really has said so much about creating healthy cities and and about returning cities to the pedestrian and not designing cities around cars much like New York City was designed around cars by a guy named Robert Moses and and Jane Jacobs is is just an incredible human being I mean if you read about her it's 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 really fascinating and these two individuals both lived uh, while they were alive within two or three blocks of our school as well so not only is our neighborhood the source of, of inspiration in terms of creating the tour to all these historical areas, but the, the type of thinking that nourished the creation of this project is also rooted into our, our physical location. And I think it's a nice way to kind of tie it all together and, and make it meaningful for, for students and for anybody else that's interested. So, Paul, I was thinking about this, and usually as a tech uh, integrationist and as an instructional coach, I try to get teachers the the path of least resistance to being able to go ahead and delve into something like this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, of and so uh, how would you recommend the teacher get started? You know, of course, like, you know, you feel a deep connection with your, your local community and there's something to that part then too. But on the technical side, you said it was not that difficult as far as getting started and your students really developed a lot of the game too. Absolutely. So there, there's there's lots to be said there. The technology is is of course very helpful, and and Eris is great. Yes. There's a few glitches here and there, but overall, it's a really uh, fairly easy. Uh, to use piece of software. Uh, I, for example, uh, there's lots and lots of uh, online sort of stories about teachers and students using Eris to develop all kinds of things. There's a guy out in Vancouver who developed a really great game that looked at his high school's participation in, I believe, the Second World War. Yeah. And, and he developed this whole game for his school where as the students played, they connected to the alumni of their school that were, you know, probably long dead and their stories and how they related related to the start of the Second World War and who participated and what the different roles were. So uh, by using a piece of software or, or software like Eris, uh, you can, it doesn't have to be a big neighborhood thing. You can actually just localize it to your school. Yes. There's also uh, uh, something else which I haven't used, but it's been recommended to me called Metaverse, Metaverse which okay. also allows uh, for augmented reality to be layered on. But what I think is it, it, it makes a demand uh, on a teacher, and I think it's an important demand. I think that the role of the teacher is going to change uh, as we journey further into the 21st century. And I think teachers are going to start thinking a little bit more like designers. Yes. And I think that any teacher that wants to jump uh, into this realm um, has to be prepared to take some risks. Uh, they, 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 they really should try to push their creative boundaries to see, okay, this is our community, whether we're in a suburb, whether we're in the middle of nature, or we're in the heart of a dense city, how can I uniquely leverage my context and my culture to connect it to my students like what's Absolutely. realistic within my environment uh, another example is there's a great 
uh, free app uh, from the Smithsonian, Smithsonian called LeafSnap. And what LeafSnap does is it allows you to identify different leaves from the North American Northeast. So, you know, New York and, and, and Canada yeah. and, and, and all these northeastern awesome. states. Yes. And, and so, for example, if you live in a rural school or a school that's surrounded by trees, you don't need to develop a fully blown historical game. You can have your kids create a tree inventory by going around with their phones and identifying the leaves and figuring out what trees there are in, in, in their midst and, and doing something along those lines. Awesome. So I think as uh, more and more software is developed uh, that allows us to, to articulate our environment and better connect to our environment, um, I think more and more teachers are going to have the opportunity to move their classes outside and have their students engage more directly with their community. And I think there's, a, there's all, almost an infinite amount of ways of doing it. Yes. Um, starting with a platform like Eris or a platform like Metaverse and starting with small steps is always a good idea. And then as your level of comfort increases, um, it, 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 you know, it becomes a lot easier to implement these types of things. Um, and what I would recommend for sure is that the teacher use the software first. So maybe design a game for your students and then have your students design a game once you, you become more uh, adept with the platform. And, and one thing I'd like to add, which is really fascinating to me, is by having education move outside and reconnect with the community, not be insulated inside of the institution of school, yeah. we start aligning our learning and teaching in a way uh, that connects to indigenous ways of learning. If you think about it, the way that indigenous kids were learned was by apprenticing with the older people in their space, by going out into the woods, into the plains, yes. and, and and actually doing uh, and physically connecting with their environment. Um, I, I read something once, and I'm going to get all the figures wrong, that you know an indigenous adolescent could recognize 140 different types of plants and, and bushes and trees, whereas a, a North American adolescent today recognizes <laughs> is 140 different types of brands, right? Oh, that's that's, that's what's in their environment, that's right? True. So, yes. so it, it, I, I find that um, as as the, the connectivity in these apps and, and the software is is kind of paradoxically going to return us to a form of learning which I think actually makes a lot more sense than what has happened since the Industrial Revolution. Yes. And so, Paul, uh, how can our audience learn more about you and your projects and connect with you? Uh, so the, I, I have a blog called ludiclearning.org, uh, and, and I share a lot of the stuff that I've been doing in the classroom. Uh, I write for MindShift. I write for Edutopia. Um, I've written a blog for you guys. Uh, my yes. email address uh, may be published on your site. It's certainly on, on my blog, and I'm always happy to open up correspondence with anybody that's interested uh, because I really believe in sharing and being open and connecting uh, to really make a difference in education and make life a little easier easier for some of the students that struggle in the existing system. That's awesome. Go ahead, so, Mike. So Paul's blog is going to, Paul's article about what we just talked about is going to be published on the day that the podcast comes out. So we would strongly recommend that you uh, visit our website. We'll be posting this on Twitter, uh, links and, and information and, and stuff like that. So hop on uh, Twitter, check out the uh, the link, go to the website and, and read this awesome awesome uh post that paul wrote for us uh it's it's really quite great and uh we're we're super thrilled to have had him on to uh talk about it thanks for uh being on the show paul thanks paul you rock you guys are awesome i really really appreciate you guys having me i love your podcast on education is an on podcast media production my name is mike washburn my co-host is glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. 
Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.